once again, no commercials. Now I look forward to when Captain does come back. You know that that little thirty seconds of time gives you an opportunity to see what his week was like, and you can definitely expect that he will address those particular persons that he's been involved with, whether through the internet or through the phone, through his sermon uh, that he will give. Nonetheless, we are continuing in the Gospel of John. We have come to now verses 6 through 13. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. For it reads, A man came, one sent from God, and his name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. Verse 9, this was the true light, that coming into the world enlightens every person. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, and yet the world did not know him. Verse 11, he came to his own, and his own people did not accept him. But as many as received him to him, to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Verse 13 concludes here, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Shiloh, our Lord God, in prayer. Father, we give thanks for this Sabbath day, for many are still seeking for the Messiah, and yet you revealed him by your word. And it is by your very word. We know that all things came into existence. So then, Lord, we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, be with your servant as he teach and feed your sheep. And to your sheep, may they, may they come with a childlike love and a willing mind to receive your word. It's in Christ's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. So, as we continue, we come to this next portion of the chapter. And by the reading, as you've seen, through verses 6 through 8, we are now introduced first to the special witness of him who was to come. So in God's perfect will, a special witness was to prepare a way for him. If you're curious, the first mention of him is actually in the Old Testament. If you want to make notes, you can write down or you can turn your Bibles to Malachi 3 verse 1. It reads, Behold, I am sending my messenger, and he will clear a way before me. And the Lord, whom you are seeking, will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of armies. By examining verse 6 now in John 1, a man came once sent from God, and his name was John, the apostles making a note of difference. Being that, unlike the prophets of old, as we learned earlier in Malachi 3, 1, his coming comes with a distinct form of worship. Let's make note of his life. In Luke 1, we learn that his father, Zachariah, was a priest, and his mother, Elizabeth, 
The scripture states by verse number six in Luke one, they both were righteous in the sight of God, walking blameless in all commandments and requirements of the Lord. But still, do not confuse this aspect. They are still fallen creatures and susceptible to sinning. How so? Well, if you are familiar with that passage or indoor chapter, continuing in Luke 1, particularly, particularly, and verse number 11, an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah and gave him this proclamation. By verse 13, he, he states, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall name him John. Now, up to this point of John's birth, Elizabeth was infertile and of old age. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> so, like Sarah in Genesis, though the sinfulness of man does come into play and doubt creeps in in Zachariah's mind of promises that the elect angel had given. So, the elect angel then further continues damping his position and his relationship with God. He states by verse 19 in Luke 1, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you to bring you this good news. By the point of emphasis here, it's the, it's the same thing that you can note that by a man's integrity, by which we read in the scriptures, he's still susceptible to sin. And what does God do? What does God do? He further showing a consequence of his disbelief. For the elect angel then goes on and continues by verse number 20. You will be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place. Because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled at their proper time. So you see here, ladies and gentlemen, to bring note of the position that John, the special witness, the messenger as it speaks, has in particular of the way. It was, quote unquote, to be a special witness that is appointed. But there is supposed to be some sort of uh, similarity because see, unlike the prophets who admonish Israel of old, this particular gentleman holds a distinct distinction. For Calvin puts it, he was the herald of divine grace. With that being said then, segueing to verses 7 and 8 in John 1, we see the evangelist states, and I quote, He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. And note the statement here now by verse number 8. He, being John, was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The point of emphasis that the apostle is trying to make here is that John is no mere man, and that his coming was foretold Note, the elect angel, Gabriel, what he proclaimed to Zechariah in the proclamation in Luke 1. By verse 14, he states, You, Zechariah, will have joy and gladness, and many others will rejoice over his birth. 
for he will be a great sight of the Lord, and he will not drink wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. Verse 16, and he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. And it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Calvin states to close on what we've seen now here with the aspect of this special witness. And I did take some paraphrasing here. So in case you were wondering, I wanted to go back to lean on to the commentaries. I did want to make that point across so that it's not confused. But nonetheless, Calvin states here, and I quote, This witness was appointed not for the sake of Christ, but for our sake. If it be objected that the testimony of man is too weak to prove that Christ is the Son of God, yet it is like, likewise easy to reply that the Baptist is not adduced as a private witness, but as one having received authority from God and sustaining a character rather of an angel than of man. It's amazing because the fact, and I thought this to myself as I went through the study, why make a point to bring someone who would have to give a proclamation or stance of his coming? And what amazed me is in the way that John, and we're going to read that later when we get to through the chapter in chapter one is he could not have taken no better life and set an example for those who become overseers to glean on and comfort the church. Note the character. Note the zeal. Many of what John and what was installed in him Though particular and special because of that distinct form of worship, it should be something that a lot of overseers, bishops, evangelists, if in certain denominations in which they're considered, but the pastors should definitely consider in part of how John behaved in order to know that you were being called to comfort the church. Note how Calvin continues here speaking on that very note. The evangelist intending then afterwards to speak more fully about the witness, John. And he reckoned it enough for the present to, to say in a single word, John did not come by, but by the command of God. But we shall actually see he, sh he is affirmed that God is the author of his ministry. And further assert what, what is required about John we can see it's also required in all teachers of the church that they be called of God as well. So that the authority of the teaching may not be found on any other than God alone. So now, 
And now I'm going to bring your attention back to verse number 8, in which the apostle does not confuse John the Baptist, being that special witness of the Messiah that's to come with the light being the Messiah. It is still by this. John is still a man. He is still born of Adam. But he being different, he was equipped with the Holy Spirit at a very early age. At the conception in the womb of his mother, Elizabeth. Which I'm going to repeat again. John still being born of Adam. But being different, he was equipped with the Holy Spirit at the very conception in the womb of his mother, Elizabeth. In case those who wants to have an argument that they can believe in the Messiah and yet believe in destroying the womb of a mother. We already read by one, Luke 1.15. But then now I will further the argument by Luke 1.39 and 40. For at the time that Mary went out and visited Elizabeth, she entered into the home and greeted her. And upon greeting Elizabeth, the baby leaped and hurt. So, we now understand how special John is. We now understand that the apostle has now confirmed this special witness that was meant to come to prepare the way in the order that the divine Godhead ordained it to be. So then now do we come in the manner by verses 9 in which the Son of God was going to be manifested in the flesh. So the apostle is going to take more proof in his writing. Now, we already know he stated the divinity of Christ and how he saw it in particular. In verses 1 through 3, he always existed. By verses 4 and 5, he always, well, he is a living God, but always life-breathing, for he is the giver and essence of life. Do we now segue as we come to verse number nine, how that life then transformed and his estate of humiliation is going to be evident and present. Verse number nine, this was the true light that coming into the world enlightens every person. John, the apostle, notes here again that Christ embodying the very effect, showing that again, the image of God is indwelling in mankind, the Messiah in particular, of his visit. Though he will take upon the body of a man, he is still particularly different than his creation. Why? Because only him and him alone can change hearts. Note, and as I show you harmony from the old, in Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord anointed me to bring the good news to the humble. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release to the captives and freedom to prisoners. Verse number two, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Verse number three, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the cloak of praise 
instead of a disheartening spirit. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And if we recall, when I brought to you through the past two sermons, I brought to you what our Lord Jesus Christ stated in verse number 18 and 19 by reading the same segue. But then by verse 21, he showed to the people that day and showing them that this scripture, after reading it, has been fulfilled in your hearing. So with that being said, in preparation of him coming into this world, we read earlier today, but I'll read again as we segue to verse number 10. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, and yet the world did not know him. We have already established, especially if you followed with us with the first two, with the past two sermons, how our mighty God spoke everything into existence. And by reminder, Paul states in Romans eleven thirty six, for from him and through him and to him are all things. Our Lord makes his proper stance that he would walk now amongst his creation. But yet, amongst his walk, no one knows of him. For note how the distinction in the word world is used in the last clause of verse number 10. It makes light of the blind and darkened state of mankind that has kept them separated from God. So, let's take a trip down memory lane, shall we? For if you're familiar with the other Gospels, at the hearing that the Lord Jesus was to be born, and a star in the east was to guide those who inquired, Harold, King Harold, wanted to kill the child rather than to do what he stated and promised. What he stated to the promise to the mage, which he states, I will come and worship him. Matthew 2, 8, and also verses 16 through 18. And with better clarity, the scripture states that within Judah, in Bethlehem, the city of David, our Lord was to be born in a manger. Why? Because through harmony through the gospels by Luke 2, 7, there was no room for him or them, particularly the family, in the end. So our Lord's presence in the world was already dripped with controversy. And now note how John continues to expand on it by going even further. He came to his own, his very own, and his own people did not accept him. Bringing your attention, I'll bring it back to you with Matthew 2. With Matthew writing here, when Harold the king heard this, he was troubled. But not just him, all of Jerusalem as well. Speaking in the synagogue, though in the beginning, to the amazement of the people at his preaching and miracles, they questioned him. For by Mark 6, 3, they muttered and stated, Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Hoses, and Judas, and Simon? 
And are his sisters not here with us? Nope, they took offense to him. When the Lord spoke and declared in his presence that the scripture was fulfilled after reading Isaiah 61 by Luke 4:28, all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. Oh, and to add on to that, they said he was of an unclean spirit of which through their darkened reason they used to explain his works and commanding the unelected angels. So in Mark 3, after gathering the 12, our Lord goes to take a meal. And then at which he's bombarded by people chanting, he has lost his senses. And so by verse 22 in Mark 3, the scribes come down from Jerusalem saying, he is possessed by Beelzebub, and he casts out the demons by the ruler of the demons. But surely why? Why is a very valid question. Everyone should be leaping with joy that God has come in the form of man. But no, it goes back to the very thing we have learned in the beginning of this gospel. Man underestimated their present conditions and because of their corrupted and degenerate nature, their light, their understanding, their reasoning has been turned into darkness because of the greatest act of disobedience that occurred in the beginning in the garden. It's amazing because for John to say that coming into your own, you would think you're my brother. You believe in the same God we believe. He should surely be accepted. But like the prophets of old, who admonish Israel to turn them back to the Godhead, it's been spoken of that Israel killed their own. They wouldn't refrain from killing their own. Surely, it's amazing. Our Lord even stated it to double down in Luke 4, 23. And he said to them, no doubt you will quote me this proverb. Physician, heal yourself. All the miracles that we heard were done in Capernaum. Do here in your hometown as well. But note what our Lord says to them. Truly, I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his own hometown. No surprise, right? Elijah was in the cave. And the word of the Lord came to him. This can be seen in 1 Kings 19.10. Elijah states, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the Lord, the God of armies. But the, for the sons of Israel have abandoned your covenant. They torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. And now they have sought my life. I continue here. Calvin makes a very distinguished point here by coming to an understanding of how we can definitely see and approach with the way John is conveying this particular portion of the scripture. He reads, the evangelist distinguished Christ from all the others that none might imagine what is called light to belong to him in common with angels 
are common with men. And the distinction is luminous in heaven and earth. For they borrow from the splendor from their other objects. But Christ alone is a light that shines from itself and by itself. And therefore enlighten the whole world by his radiance. So that no other source or cause of splendor is anywhere to be found. And being that Christ is the eternal light. And has a splendor. It's amazing. For as Christ makes us all particular. Partakers of his brightness. Those who claim to have known the Lord God. Displayed absolute desperate wickedness. And show their malice as men. And when the God-man was manifested, it's particularly in flesh of the Jews. God has separated himself from other nations. He separated them from other nations. They did not acknowledge or receive him. So going now to verse number 12. But as many as received him, to them... Oh, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. The apostle is making it clear that though the Jews did not receive him, he makes it evident point. Those who do have a true faith in him, for he gave them the right to become the true children of God. From the old, Jeremiah 14, 9. Why are you like a confused person? Like a warrior who cannot save, yet you are in the midst of our, I'm sorry, yet you are in our midst, Lord, and we are called by your name. Do not leave us. And to the new, Galatians 4, 4 through 5, but when the fullness of time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, under the law, so that he might redeem those under the law that we might receive the adoptions as sons and daughters. It's very clear at what the apostle is making very apparent here. Those who are going to be called true children of God will know the Lord. Our Lord and Savior spoke it eloquently it is not by flesh and blood that you will come into the faith. But those who do the will of my Father. Luke eight nineteen through 21. Now his mother and brothers came to him. And they were unable to get to him because of the crowd. And it was reported to him. Your mother and brothers are standing outside wishing to see you. But he answered and said to them, my mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. This why now when we segue to verse number 13, the apostle can make the consequential statement. Who were not born, oh, I'm sorry, who were born, but not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of a man, but of God. 
For those who believe in his son, they now take the shape of a new heart. They have a new attitude and a new appreciation for they are renewed. And it is of God. It's not of their own accord. Like the Jews were in their darkened, confused, trying to rationalize who he was. It is not that. It was the very effect that our Lord had a plan. And of those who were of his, he was going to redeem them and comfort them. In particular, by being a surety to take upon that sacrifice that they could not make. So, with the Jews being misguided in their assumption that by birthright they gain interest into the kingdom. Oh, does now Paul double down here by showing them agreeing with the apostle in this effect. Romans 2, 25 through 29. For indeed, circumcision is of value if you practice the law. But if you are a violator of the law, your circumcision has turned into uncircumcision. So if the uncircumcised man then keeps the requirements of the law, Will his uncircumcision be regarded as now circumcision? Verse 27. And he who is physically uncircumcised, if he keeps the law, will he not judge you who, though having the letter of the law and circumcision, are a violator of the law? So now he clarifies how you're supposed to properly understand your interest into the kingdom. But by verse 28, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. Your birthright, your circumcision means absolutely nothing. And nor, as it continues, is the circumcision is one that is done outwardly in the flesh. But note, as he agrees with the apostle and the very effect that by verse number 10, in particular, about the Lord God coming into this world, into his own creation, walking amongst them, the effect and the power by which his spoken word has and those who have been called, like John, but not to the office that John took, but to the authority to preach the word. Note what he says in effect by verse 29. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and a circumcision is of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. And his praise of the Jew, who's been circumcised inwardly, is not from people, but from God. If you are truly his, you will have a new heart, a new attitude, and a new spirit. So then, 
to actually bring this all to a close, let's bring this back full circle. Because I've noticed I'd rather not try to make the attempt as though I, though I piecemealed all the particular verses in their particular fashion because they all had distinctions. I wanted to make that point across, but I always want to bring it back full circle so that way you can see harmony. For a note, when we were looking at John 1, 1 through 3, simply put, he always existed. God existed before the earth began, and in perspective, the essence of, the, of God, the Son, embodied the eternal wisdom and will of God, for it showed that him being the word, he was the efficient cause of creation, both in the old and of the new. By verse 4 and 5, being the efficient cause, note the harmony now. All this must come to life. So in essence, life dwells in him. For all that is physical. For all that is spiritual. And also all that is encompassing in the eternal world. So, being that is the case, and knowing full and well by the great dis disobedience that ever occurred in the history of mankind, where life from the physical, spiritual, and eternal then became dead. Christ and Christ alone now is the one who should be able to bring order back to the world. Romans 5, 18. So then through one offense, the result of condemnation to all mankind, by also through also one's act of righteousness, the result of justification of life is made to all mankind. So then now, as we conclude here with John 1, 6 through 13, it pleased our God and his internal purpose to choose a messenger in particular to fulfill a prophecy, as we heard, clear a way before me. So then when he's realized and he trumpets in the wilderness, he preached saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and note his entrance of those coming into the new administration now he baptized the church with water for repentance but still knowing his function as being a messenger he makes a distinction in matthew 3 11 he who is coming after me though is mightier than i and i am not even fit to remove his sandals. I baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. It's amazing that John the Apostle is able to make note of what transpired from the beginning and show harmony onto the coming of our Lord. It's, it's, it's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. So then you can't lose grips and misunderstand who 
and what is encompassing in the God man. You can't, you can't, you can't say you don't know him. But, you know, in reality, you cannot know him. For if you don't trust him, you can't say you know him. If you do not believe in his word, you can't say you know him. And throughout the annals of history, people were separated so that when his coming came, he will come to his own and his own did not receive him. I cannot tell you what better way for our Lord and Savior to do what he does and to come on to the world and through all the shenanigans and the evil that is encompassing it. He's the only one to do what's right in the sight of God. And to take on a sacrifice that I know not one person in this room, not one person watching this telecast, not one person out there was ever willing to take. As we continue in this gospel, he will show you the closeness he will have with his people. And as John conveyed, in particular, Calvin, showing that in the office that the Baptist took in making the way, showing, in particular, we, in particular, I'm speaking to the overseers, we should take on that same embodiment and attitude, that care, that want. In the next sermon, which... I left it as a standalone, but it will work with our transition to the next verse. We're now going to look at the hypostatic union. And I made that one a standalone for a point of emphasis. In particular, historically, John 1.14 has been known uh, to be uh, the proposition of which they will move forward with this uh, particular doctrine. But it's important we have to have to understand what embodied the God-man. We have to understand not to be confused with all the errors in the past and not give fruit to those who's going to make errors in the future. Because today, and I want to say today, but currently now with what's been transpiring throughout our own country, we can already see what happens when people do not have a right attitude towards mankind. They don't love you. They love themselves. Because Messiah said, if you love me, they keep my commandments. And being if you know how to love God, you also know how to love your neighbor in the second tablet of the law. So when we come back, we will now take form and stand alone to study the hypostatic. Shalom to our Lord God in prayer.